Hello, and welcome to You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and I'm back with even more brilliant recommendations. On today's show, get ready to be privy to some home truths from influencer Candice Brathwaite. Then we'll treat your ears to some laugh-out-loud historical comedy from Mira Sayal and Jennifer Saunders. And two guests are back to recommend a brilliant new book that you wished your parents had read and a spine-tingling thriller that will stay with you for a while. Let's get going. I'm starting things off with a couple of reviews from you. I've searched the Audible website for the most interesting and honest reviews of best-selling books that I could find. If you've been eyeing up Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, then maybe these two reviews might help. First up, we have Mr. A. Becker, who left this five-star review. Worth every second. A wonderful and articulately observed insight into the personal experiences of immigrant and expat life, and so much more. A great example of where the narration gives an experience of the book that I would not have had reading it. The various accents and versatility of the narrator is superbly matched to the imagination of the author, an engaging and personal performance. In short, if you're wondering whether to listen to this book, go for it. Okay, so I've read Americana and also loved Chimamanda's observations on race in America. But for balance, let's hear from XL, who gave Americana three stars. Good, but possibly a bit too long for my liking. An excellent book and a real eye-opener to the very sensitive topic of race or skin colour. For me, it was a bit too long, though. I'm not sure if that's caused by my guilt of being white and not dealing with the topic very well. It's just a bit too raw or painful. Or perhaps the book contained a little too many academic discussions for me, and it felt at times more like listening to a blog than a good story. And I do like a good story. One thing for sure is that Adjua Ando knows how to tell a good story. She is a superb narrator. Thank you, Mr. A. Becker and XL, for those reviews of Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. You can find it on Audible. Each week, we'll be picking out different reviews from Audible's website to see what's got you talking. So keep listening and you might find your own review here. So it's time to get into a new release that has been hotly anticipated in certain social media spheres. Today, I'm reviewing Sister, Sister by Candice Brathwaite. You might recognize her name if you've listened to our review of her first book, I'm Not Your Baby Mother, back in series two. Candice is back with her usual straight-talking, unapologetic candor in this guide to life and living for young women. Drawing on stories from her own life, Candice has pulled together her 10 lessons for life, covering friendships, social media, money and family to name a few. Although the family chapter is only 14 seconds long, you'll see why when you listen to it. I was very excited about this book because I loved I'm Not Your Baby Mother. I was expecting Candice to provide relatable anecdotes and slang-fueled wittiness. And wow, did she deliver! She narrates Sister Sister herself, and it feels like a long-form version of her Instagram page, which is highly entertaining. Something I found so endearing was how remarkably close in proximity Candice and I were, including our locations, high school, age, and teenage antics. Candice went to a high school about 10 minutes away from mine and frequented the same hangout spots that I did growing up as a teenager in South London. 
So I had an especially vivid picture of the stories she describes in the book. If I'm being honest, though, despite relating to Candies on multiple levels and finding the book entertaining, I didn't find it that memorable. None of the lessons have stuck with me or made me want to return to the book since completing it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't re-listen to lots of books, but my inability to recall one clear lesson isn't great. It is, though, well-written and very funny. One chapter I enjoyed the most while cycling to work was Lesson 2, Batty and Bench on Friendship. Candice talks about the early friendships we think will last forever and the pain and loss when families move and friends drift apart even with the best of intentions. What I liked about this lesson is that it lets you off the hook for letting friendships go or holding on to toxic ones. It's a searingly honest portrayal of millennial friendships, but I think all readers will find something familiar in it. Have a listen. I remember the day I finally plucked up the courage to try and make friends with another black woman in one of the many offices I would work at over the years. The rejection was swift and sharp, which immediately confronted me with another warning I had heard when I was growing up. And for the love of God, don't become friends with black people. They don't want to be your friend. I think by now it should be no surprise to you, dear listener, that the person who offered up that information was of course as black as I am. Black people couldn't be friends with one another because we were always going to be each other's competition. There could only ever be one black boss at any given time. In fact, all I could see is that there were no black bosses. One thing I want to add is that Candice does say that this book is for the sisters. That's S-I-S-T-A, meaning black British women who are erased from literature and the media. She wrote the book to document an experience so that these women can see themselves represented. I, for one, definitely felt seen by this book in a real, tangible way, especially around my hair and friendships. Candice, at the start of the book, acknowledges that there might be people listening to it who don't identify as black and instead can use it as a tool to understand and gain access to the inner workings of a group they may not be familiar with. This book won't appeal to everyone. It is unapologetically targeted at black women or other racialized women who might better understand the intersections of hair and colorism in the black community. That said, the lessons at their very core are universally applicable and relatable, but from a perspective you might not be all that familiar with. If you're interested in learning about the experiences of people you might encounter day to day but not interact with, this book is incredibly insightful and you'll learn a lot from Candice. So there you have it. Sister Sister by Candice Brathwaite is available now on Audible. If you've ever wondered if that bestseller or recommended book is worth the hype, this section is for you. Our hidden gem this week is the Audible original podcast Raj with Mira Sayal and Jennifer Saunders. Raj is a satirical seven-part sitcom about India in the 19th century while under British rule. It follows Sunil, the Maharaja, and his mother, the Rajmata, played by Mira Sayal, who rule a fictional kingdom in India. The British regularly send governors to their kingdom, but they all seem to meet their not-so-mysterious death shortly after arrival. Q, Henry, the new governor, and his mother, the Dowager of Scathington, who have been sent to Sunil's kingdom to rule and collect taxes, but who soon find the Rajmata has other plans in store for them. The sitcom is full of wonderful silliness, excellently timed quips, and hammy performances. 
but it's also a critical look at British colonialism at that time. Raj is everything I didn't know I needed in audio. It is hilarious from start to finish. Henry and Sunil are both eerily similar in their incompetence and soft nature, which irritates both of their mothers endlessly. The general Hector was stereotypically hypermasculine and incompetent, and the servant duo really made me laugh. The two mums, I have to say, were my favourite characters, played by Mira Sayal and Jennifer Saunders. Both were constantly in competition with each other to see who was the most ruthless and sour. Jennifer, as the dowager, played an incredibly stiff, upper-lipped brute of a mother who complained constantly, and Mira, as the Rajmata, was devilishly evil, looking for new ways to kill her enemies with a pet scorpion up her sleeve, ready to attack. There's a great bit when the pair first meet. Let's have a listen. Why is this boy wafting a large leaf at me? To keep you cool. Our climate is far too hot for you, British. Oh, nonsense. I am far from far too hot. If anything, I am a little chilly. Oh, how relieved I am to hear that. I myself am freezing. Brr. I shall need a cardigan to ward off the chill, plus a scarf, gloves and several hats. Well, I could do with a nice warm coat. Possibly a blanket or nine. And a snood. Then let us put them on. Oh, dear. Still a little nippy. Could we possibly light a fire? Of course. Oh, thank you. I feared imminent hypothermia. Yet I see sweat on your forehead. No, it's beads of frost. Yes, my feet have gone numb with gold. I may have to set fire to them to prevent frostbite. Oh, no. No, you mustn't set fire to your own feet. Let me do it. Aren't they brilliantly naughty? Deep down, I think they'll become the best of friends. A lot is packed into the seven episodes from unlikely allegiances forming, dysfunctional family relationships, adultery, and a cultural critique of a moment in time that's had a lasting impact on a country and its people, all ending in one big cricket match that could change the kingdom forever. It all just works, despite being silly and over-the-top, with funny one-liners coming at you left, right, and centre. The writing is brilliant, so hats off to both Mira Sayal and Mark Evans who created this piece. The sound design also can't go unnoticed. The buzzing of crickets and birds humming were edited in throughout, which made you feel like you were under the hot Indian sun. Traditional music was also used as transitions and really added to that sitcom vibe. If you're a fan of Monty Python and goodness gracious me with a bit of 19th century history thrown in, this is the show for you. It is also a great place to start if you're new to audio dramas as it's lighthearted and quite a short listen. So a perfect pick to try. P.S. I won't give too much away, but how things ended in season one looks as though there may be a season two on the horizon. Fingers crossed. You can listen and download Raj on the Audible website today. Next up are two incredible guests who are dying to hop on the mic and share what they've been loving with you. 
first up is series regular Gabe Fleming. Hey, Gabe. Hi, I'm Rio. Great to be back. It's great to have you back. Can you briefly remind us what you do at Audible? Yes, I'm on the content discovery team. So me and my team help our members effectively discover content that they love on Audible, whether that's through our own curated collections, any way we can to kind of connect people to content that we hope they'll like. It sounds ingenious. What have you chosen for us today? Who's it by and what's it about? I have chosen the book you wish your parents had read and brackets and your children will be glad that you did which is a a good title because it doesn't need any more explanation than that it's by Philippa Perry who I only really discovered through this book and I've since been googling her and her husband Grayson Perry oh I didn't know she was married to Grayson Perry no it took me a while to make that connection so as, as as you can expect of anyone from that family they're very Blunt in a quite charming way, um, and Philippa Perry definitely is. It's a book about parenting, obviously. She is a psychologist of some 20 years' experience, and just a very a very warm, knowing person. Really, it's an instructive book about how you should parent your children, told from a quite, quite blunt but quite compassionate perspective with this huge psychological background. So you feel like you're being sort of, at times lectured, sometimes advised by a very <laughs> knowing and honest friend. Yeah, there's something quite well-meaning about it. It's definitely direct and definitely, yeah, to the point. And she doesn't mince words. She doesn't. It doesn't come across as preachy, that's for sure. What made you pick this book? Really the title. It it just pops up a lot. It's a perennial bestseller. I I think it's been published in like 35 languages. And it's got a title that speaks directly to you, especially if your kids have just had a massive tantrum and you've just had a like argument fueled morning of having to separate your kids but it appeals to you if things aren't going completely swimmingly in the parenting department and you think oh here's a book called the book you wish your parents had read that sounds like a good idea it was really no more complicated than that I was in a slightly grumpy mood with slightly grumpy kids and then and they just leapt out on me for me books like this I'm perhaps too old and set in my ways I can never read a book and go right I'm gonna be this way it's much more like you are who you are but you will definitely hear some epiphanies in the book that go, oh, you go, oh, then and some things will stick with you. Was there a moment in the book that you really, really loved or found had a deep impact on you? She has a, a personal ideology that comes across throughout the book. And eventually it starts to make sense holistically, Lou. By the last chapters, you you know what sort of things she's going to say as soon as she introduces the problem. And, you know, the, she really reruns that point to great effect. You know, kids need to feel that what they think is important is important to you. And, you know, when it's a three-year-old and they're kicking off because they wanted the blue cup and you've given them the red cup and you can't find the blue cup and they're having a screaming fit about it, then your natural instinct is to be like, stop being ridiculous. Who cares what colour the cup is? You know, and if you've got loads going on. So I particularly like the chapter on the importance of validating feelings. And I think immediately applicable to my real life and it it spoke to a lot of points that I think are good for relating to kids good for relating to each other and adults and humans generally because it's what it drives that is that all feelings are valid because that person is validly feeling them as we talked about before if that's they're feeling them by screaming at you and throwing things at you because their cup is blue and they want a red one and they're three years old and that's the only way they know how to express themselves That is completely valid. Good stuff. Let's go to a clip. Our feelings come into everything we do and every single decision we make. How we manage our feelings will have a bearing on how our baby or child learns to manage theirs. Feelings and instincts are closely linked. And if we deny how a child feels, 
we are in danger of dulling their instincts. It can be hard to accept your child's feelings rather than telling them off for expressing them. It can feel like taking a leap into the unknown. And you are. It's true. You are breaking the links in your ancestral emotional chain. But remember, you are laying down the foundation for your child's good mental health. By the way, slip-ups in either under- or overreacting especially when they are mostly corrected, are not going to ruin a child forever. I think she's quite good at getting you to reflect back on your own childhood and your own kind of way of growing up and the moments where you experienced like hurt or loss. So makes sense. I have one more question. Is this book just for parents or do you think anyone can benefit from reading it? I think de- definitely anyone could benefit. I don't think I would have been compelled to read it before I was at least expecting, but definitely anyone could benefit it because one of the things that emerges really strongly from the book is that the way you are an effective parent and a compassionate parent is the same way you're an effective person and a good and compassionate person to other adults. It's kind of common sense and I think that your instinct can be when you first have a baby that there's some magic source you need to switch out of your normal human (laughs) mode and get into like being a good parent mode and you have no clue what that means so you start trying oh we should do this you know crying out being a classic example you would never do that to a grown-up you'd never be like just stay in that room until you chill chilled out and then come and talk to (laughs) you know come and talk to me when you've had a sleep and stop being angry when you hear it phrased like that it's like yeah it makes sense so it definitely could be useful you know there's a lot in it about listening, a lot in it about going to where people are. I would recommend it to anyone because it's about some real, really good common sense things about being good at relating to other people, basically, kids or adults. Thanks, Gabe. The book you wish your parents had read and your children will be glad that you did by Philippa Perry was Gabe's pick. You can find it now on Audible. Next up is the incredible Joe Spain, thriller writer and the author of bestseller Dirty Little Secrets. Hi, Joe. Welcome to You Heard It Here First. Thank you, Imriel. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited about this book. So can you tell me what you've chosen for us today? OK, I have chosen The Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean. It's a book that I, I read a couple of months ago when it was first out. So I reread it for our interview and I was rereading this thinking this is actually even better than the first time I read it. It's It has really, really stayed with me. It's a really haunting book. Mm, I agree. I could not turn it off. And for that reason, I'm very grateful to you for choosing this because I think I probably wouldn't have picked it out on my own. Could you tell us what the book's about? Yeah, so, I mean, Will Dean is obviously a crime writer and for years I'd read his Swedish set kind of detective mystery series. This one was a standalone novel by him. And basically he said it in England and very early on we're introduced to this woman who is called Jane by the man that she lives with. I want to talk about it and not give too much away. His name is Len. And we realise very quickly that she's not there by choice because she's trying to escape Mm. in the very first chapter. And she has some really bad injury to her foot that's causing issues. She can't get away and he brings her back to his farm. And straight away, we understand that she's not there by choice. And her real name is Han and she's from Vietnam. So this is a story about human trafficking. I did not approach this book thinking it was going to be for me. I thought the subject matter was very grim, but I am interested in the issue of trafficking. So I picked it up and I just trust Will as a writer. I know he's a really good writer. And what I read was one of the most exceptional books that I'd ever read. But I was so trapped in this story with this woman who was trapped with this man. And what she goes through is absolutely 
shocking and horrible and it's so heartfelt and so distressing to read her situation and yet she's so strong she really is incredibly strong and she's in all these different scenarios where we just see this kind of grit and steel in her personality which she captured just beautifully yeah there's so much that happens that I agree with you I felt completely enthralled by it and almost like I was held captive by the book you're so invested in the story that you just need to get out I wanted to get out I needed her to get out Is the book what you expected it to be? I mean, I didn't know how he was going to pull it off. This is essentially one woman and this man in this farmhouse and they're far away from everything, which is obviously how he manages to keep her trapped and a victim. And I was like, how can he keep this story going for this length of time? I mean, essentially, it is one woman's story told over the length of this novel. It's real skill what he's done because you're so invested in her story and it's high octane. I mean, I don't know what I expected. It wasn't what I got. What I got was a really fast paced action novel. And by the end of it, I'm, I'm, I'm with her at one point in the end of this novel when she is doing something. I could not breathe. I could not breathe listening to her attempt what she was trying to do. And I did not expect that from this novel at all. Very unexpected twists and turns as it progresses. And I think it is, like you said, it's so skillfully done that Almost everything is a surprise and it just gets you right in the chest and you're like, oh my God, what's going on? What was the most tense section in the book for you? I think for me, because a lot of people, when they encounter the story of trafficking, and it's like any of these horrific scenarios women find themselves in, domestic violence or anything like that, they always say, well, why doesn't she leave? Or why doesn't she escape? There is a section in this book where somebody comes and knocks on the door and there's the conversation that she's having with the woman and there's a conversation that she's having in her head. And I know, I mean, I'm, I'm screaming at the, the book at this stage. Please tell her what's going on. Tell her you want to leave. And she's not. And I mean, there is such a logic and a rationale to her thinking behind it. But I know that everybody reading that is just feeling the same thing. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. And she doesn't take it. And for me, that was the beginning of the tension just ramping up. Yeah, let's have a quick listen. Sorry to bother you, she says, smiling and frowning. Damp day, isn't it? She pauses. Is everything okay? Help me. She holds out her hand. My name's Cynthia. Cynthia Townsend, nice to meet you. I shake her hand. My name is Jane. My name is not Jane. My name is Tan Tsao. Nice to meet you, Jane. I just wondered if you might know anyone who'd rent me a paddock with water and a stable. Help me. The voice screams fiercely inside me, deep inside, but on the surface, I'm composed. What is it about their interaction that just like felt so tense and so gripping for you? I felt that even in that short interaction, something was speaking to Cynthia. That's there's something not right here. Perhaps it's kind of female intuition or one woman to another woman, but something in her head I felt was saying there's something not right here. Um, and, and we learn subsequently in the novel that perhaps she did suspect that. It's never as simple as just saying, here's my situation, help me out. And of course, she can endanger somebody by doing that as well, because this guy, this farmer and the audible narrator did him so well with that kind of thick country accent. You know, he is terrifying. If you're his captive and he's brainwashed you, he's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, Sarah Lamb does an exceptional job as the narrator of this. I would love to talk a little bit about your own novels. You recently wrote Dirty Little Secrets, which is also a psychological thriller. And 
tension runs throughout. Is that what drew you to The Last Thing to Burn? Like, what is it that you're just drawn to these particular genres? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I like to say that I'm not really big into tension, but then <laughs> I seem to pick these reads that make me feel very tense and write these books that make me feel very tense. And I guess for me, it's okay to ramp the tension up, but we know that something good is going to come in the end. And as the writer, I have that gift, you know, I, I know where the end of the book is going to go. So I suppose... What you're trying to do is keep the readers engaged, keep the listeners engaged to the point where there's some light relief as you go along, particularly in a book like Dirty Little Secrets, where there's some humour and the narrator, that colour really well. And I think a lot of people are happy with that. And that's what makes books the ultimate escapism, because it's not real life. But yeah, maybe a little bit of tension, a little bit of fear, a little bit of adrenaline, just not too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely think some books can take you right to the very edge of it. If you could ask Will Dean only one question, what would it be? So I would say to Will, you know, like, did you realise you were setting yourself a really difficult task here? Did it did it make you very nervous? And why did you decide to do it anyway? And give me your secret. Thanks, Joe. And a bit of trivia for you. In 2016, one night as Will Dean lay awake in bed, he saw an image of the narrator trapped in a field. And that night between midnight and 6am, the whole book came to him. Isn't that wild? The Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean is Joe Spain's pick this week. Give it a listen if you dare. You can find it today on Audible, as well as Joe's book, Dirty Little Secrets. <laughs> Next, it's time to hear from our sister podcast, Audible Sessions, where Audible invites some of your favourite authors to talk about their new releases. And this week, I've chosen a clip from Laura Whitmore's Audible Session. Laura Whitmore is a presenter, model and author best known for hosting Love Island. Laura caught up with Holly Newson to talk about her love for lyrics, her new book and building her self-esteem. I talk in the book a bit about, I don't know, is it an Irish thing? And I'm sure it's a British thing as well, where like, God forbid you have some self-esteem or you say anything nice <laughs> about yourself. You know, someone will come up to you and be like, oh, I like your dress. You'd be like, oh, this little thing, it's a rag. I found it on the ground. You know, it smells, it's holes in it. Like, you can't just say, thank you. It is a nice dress. Thank you. And then I remember going to America and I get told off for like not bigging myself up enough or not talking about my achievements because I just felt that looked like I was up my own arse. <laughs> and then afterwards they're like, sell yourself. And I'm like, oh God, what happens if they think I believe in myself? That could be the worst thing ever. <laughs> and that's totally taken a while to be like, I'm good at my job and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and there's no reason why I shouldn't get this job. So I'm like, how the hell is someone else ever going to give me a job if I don't think I can do it? Do you know what? I think that's really true. I really liked this clip because it was the reminder that I needed to big myself up a little bit more. And I think we could all do a little bit more bigging up of ourselves because what's the point of being humble? How will anyone know what you've done if you don't say it? Very true, Laura. Very true. You can get more from Laura Whitmore by downloading her full Audible session for free from Audible. If she's charmed you, then do check out her book, No One Can Change Your Life Except For You, which you'll also find on the Audible website and app. And finally, it's time for our listeners corner, which means I get to hear from one of you about a book, podcast or drama you love. This week, our recommendation comes from David James, who has this to share. Hi, Imriel. 
For many years, I have been enjoying the series about the number one ladies detective agency by Alexander McCall Smith. It is greatly enhanced by the exceptional voice talents of Adwa Ando, whose fame recently hit the big time, or maybe I should say even bigger time with her role in Bridgerton. Also, Adwa Ando does a series of other accents, African and non-African, as well as having a different voice character for each of the dozens of characters in the series. I'd be made up if she narrates the next book. I'm sure Alexander McCall Smith must be truly delighted with her renditions. Right now, book 22, The Joy and Light Bus Company, is on pre-order at Audible. Your avid fan, David. Sounds excellent. Thank you so much for listening, David, and for sending in this incredible recommendation. Wow, that's two lots of love for Adjo Ando in one episode. Can you tell? We're obsessed. As a thank you for sending in your review, you've got two credits to download anything you like from the Audible website, but I imagine you'll be using it on the number one ladies detective agency. If David's convinced you, you can find the number one ladies detective agency series on Audible now, where you can pre-order the 22nd book in the series. And for your chance to win some credits, why not send us a review too? Just send us a short message telling us about your favorite listen and you might get featured here. Record a voice note on your phone or send us your thoughts and I'll read them out. Email it over to yhihf at audible.co.uk. But please remember, keep your reviews spoiler free. And sadly, that's all for this week's You Heard It Here First. In case you missed any of the titles we recommended today, here they are again. Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Sister Sister by Candice Brathwaite. Audible original podcast Raj by Mira Sayal and Mark Evans. The book you wish your parents had read and your children will be glad that you did by Philippa Perry. The Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean. Dirty Little Secrets by Joe Spain. Laura Whitmore's Audible Session. Number one ladies detective agency series by Alexander McCall Smith. Remember, you can catch up with us in between shows on social media. Send us your favorite or current listen and tag at YHIHFpod on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're there, give us a follow too. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content Is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan. Additional voices by Richard Hodson and Lazara Morgan and featuring Gabe Fleming and Joe Spain. It was produced by Amber Miller and Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan. And the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto.